it comes to a point where you just have to admit that that Super Bowl Fifty Six was like some sort of inside job from I don't from like automakers all, uh, across the world are basically saying <laughs> it's our time to get together to make all the commercials and just yell them in middle America's face and say, Hey, guess what? Electric cars are here. Deal with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was electric car after electric. We're going to Arnold Schwarzenegger electric car. Oh, Dr. Evil electric car. Um, I, I know. And then I'm, you're keeping up with the Jonas's, yeah, uh, you know, you know got the every, Sopranos, uh, Kia, a really adorable uh, wiener dog, robot dog, electric car. Like, it's just like forcing it down. Like, oh, Sopranos? Oh, you want, yep. you, know, you know, you know, Tony Soprano, New Jersey, electric truck, Chevy. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's, and, and, they and, really and, drove it home. Oh my God. Yeah. I was just like, okay, I guess, uh, I guess we all should just start preparing for the fact that uh, electric cars are on the way. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah. it's something we've known. It, it came at a fitting time too, right? When the year that we've just had was a year where cars skyrocketed in value because yeah. there were no uh, chips, no no uh, parts, and and all of that. Um, so yeah, an interesting time. They're like, please, please buy the cars. Please yeah, hey, buy all hey. of the cars. Hey, we know you, Missouri farm owner in the middle of America, don't really want to buy an electric truck. But guess what? Here's Mike Myers. So. <laughs> You're going to, you're going to have to, because by 2035, that's all we're making. So yeah. we're giving you a 13 year warning to just get used to the fact that electric cars, Super Bowl, there you go. America. Like it was, it was so, it felt like a poignant attack. Like yeah. they were hitting you on all sides. Just from every the only, level. The only non-electric car one was like, uh, was like the Eugene Levy where he's like a superhero and, yeah. and that was in a, that was in like a, you know, a Kia or whatever that was, uh, or a, no, what is Brie Larson does those? Those are, um, oh crap. They're not Nissan. I, I don't you know. know. I, I don't watch Nissan, uh, Nissan, you know, okay. little new little hot hatchback thing. Like, all right, whatever. Okay. Tommy Lee Jones gets to yell at Nick Jonas. I was okay. I was going to say, I didn't think I'd be seeing much of Tommy Lee Jones ever for the rest no. of the time. To be honest, I was like, it's been a while, Tommy. Also, uh, I'm, I, I appreciate the idea that you bring back Jim Carrey as the cable guy, iconic role, amazing movie. And also just say, oh, screw it. Let's just make sure the cable guy has jet black hair, even though it's been like 30 years since we've seen the cable guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, cable, the cable guy, business Doesn't is good. He? he can clearly <laughs> still afford those hair dyes. Yeah. Jake, I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but I just was like, it was, uh, it was just, hey, America, here's a Pepsi Pizza Hut. You're going to be driving an electric car in 10 years. Deal with it. It did right. seem like they were okay. really catering across the board. The whole product of the entire Super Bowl seemed to be catering to a very specific sect of, of the country. Uh, millennials in particular, you yes. know, it was very much like, like late, like mid, mid to mid eighties to mid nineties kids. Yes. Um, it's, it's that seemed to be the target audience for this uh, particular Super Bowl. And I'm not complaining. Cause that was us. So, Oh, it was great. Um, but yeah, the halftime show was amazing. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit here uh, as, as well, but uh, this is it uh, for the football lounge wrapping up the 2021, 22 season with our Super Bowl recap episode. And then of course we've got the off season coming up in just a couple of weeks. This is like the most dead time Mark really of the entire year yeah. is right after the Super Bowl, And then the like, two to three week gap before free agency starts. Cause then it's once again, skyrocketed off and running and it's nonstop until the next Super Bowl. And even the last week, even the first week, the le week leading into free agency, you get all the rumors. So-and-so has True. agreed to sign with, they just can't sign officially yet. It's like the NBA free agency as well. Uh, no, we have about a two week gap here now. And honestly, I was, I I'm, I'm glad we have it. I was so sick and tired of, of all day having to defend the fact that I thought it was a really good Super Bowl. 
overall. I thought it was, a, yeah, you know, I had I a agree. bunch of coworkers all day. I'm like, nah, it's kind of boring. I'm like, no, no, no. That was when you get a game that's a one score game for the majority of the game and, and, and into the fourth quarter in a Super Bowl. That's that is a total victory. I, I don't care who wins at that point in time. We as the fans win, you know, especially after dealing with last year's Super Bowl and, the, and it wasn't even close from the get go with the Chiefs offensive line and how bad it was. Um, so, no, I, I think, you know, this playoffs, what was it like five or six games in a row? Then he upped the Super Bowl. We're all oh, yeah. incredible games. Well, I that may like have tainted the experience for people. They were expecting something as epic as all these. And even then you had a game. Even then you had a score with like a minute left to take yeah. the lead and then a chance to go on a, on a drive. And it even, it even got, uh, I think a first down, right. And then they moved the ball a little, the Bengals before. Uh, yeah. It came down to a, a fourth down stop, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, and a stop two times in a row uh, to get one yard. So uh, I mean, I, I don't know what more you could ask. Yeah, I agree. And that's why you have to reserve judgment on a game because to me, a fourth quarter, a fourth quarter of a otherwise quote unquote boring game could completely change the context of it all. I mean, the fourth quarter was pretty epic. I oh, think yeah. most of us would, uh, would agree with that. The start and of the to me, was the, he, was, I, yeah. I was out of my seat. I was screaming. Yeah, the first play of the second half, you know, Lord. started, uh, started off with fireworks too. I mean, yeah. So uh, I think overall it was a pretty entertaining game. Uh, you know, it maybe got off to a relatively slow start, but also, I mean, you had, we had everything in this. You had some turnovers in there. You had your, you know, once a game controversial call. Um, yep. Yeah. We, we, we had everything that the NFL was probably hoping would happen just to create that, uh, th th those comments and create the discussions surrounding the Super Bowl. Unlike, as you mentioned, you know, some of the Super Bowls we've been subjected to the last Rams one, uh, the one last year that didn't we're, we're not only boring, but um, but didn't have much in the way of like, you know, great narratives or anything yeah. like that outside of obviously Tom winning, you know, his seventh and being with the Bucks. But nonetheless, uh, an, an exciting Super Bowl 56, um, we, uh, you know, the the Rams end up overcoming a, a very, very sluggish start to the second half and, uh, and make it worthwhile in the fourth quarter with a couple great drives, uh, one particular great drive from Matt Stafford and, uh, and company. So we'll kind of dive right in uh, with our Super Bowl recap. Of course, um, with this being the end of the 2022 season, we're going to do a little bit of a reset here on the show. So we're going to have off the next couple of weeks. We're going to do no show. It seems fitting to kind of just put, a, to put a bow on it. We're going to Disneyland. Exactly. We are always winners, actually. Yes. So that's I like how they said Disneyland benefit. too, because it's in Southern California. So, and that's I, a, oh yeah, I didn't even. If I was, if I was any of the Bengals or Rams players, I would have made sure before the game started. We're saying land, right? I ain't getting on a plane from LA to Orlando tomorrow. <laughs> I will yeah. drive down ten miles south to Anaheim to go to Disneyland. I ain't bleeping doing the, the cross country flight to Disney world. We could say Disneyland, right? I'm sure they got the okay for that. The only person probably not up for that trip is a, a one van Jefferson who not only became a super bowl champion, became a father yeah. on the, uh, on the same day. That was kind of crazy. I remember they were talking in the fourth quarter. I think someone tweeted out that his they wife saw his wife get out of the game, out of the game. Wild, wild stuff. Him and poor Odell Beckham Jr., who's going to start, I guess, surgery soon, and then and then another yeah, offseason yeah. to rehab them. Same ACL tear is apparently and not official, but that's what all the preliminary reports are pointing to that he tore that same ACL uh, that he did what two years ago. And uh, I believe it was two years, yeah, twenty twenty uh, season. Brutal, brutal news for him. He was having such an incredible comeback year. Uh, and, and, you know, trade back with the Rams, especially. And uh, we talked about it when Odell got signed by the Rams. I remember saying on the show, the best thing for Odell Beckham Jr. is to go out, not necessarily even put up giant stats, but to just show that you can be a part of a winning franchise and have a chance to win a ring and, and, you know, score some touchdowns. He did that. And then some, he was kind of a model citizen for the Rams uh, for Odell standards, especially the last, you know, you know, eight, nine weeks in this run, and uh, he was great in the first half. And I thought his injury um, really unraveled the Rams in the first half to where they had to find themselves and pick themselves back up by their bootstraps at the start of the fourth quarter. 
And then the Rams just dominated in the fourth quarter, uh, scoring offensively, uh, finding a rhythm, and then also uh, uh, defensively that 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 pass rush in the front that front four especially Un- unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, you know it's funny because I said it on my show on my Saturday morning show, and one of my things with picking the Rams, and and I think it it, it just um, I you know I I knew it was going to happen. I felt it and. And then watch it unfold. It's one of those you're like, wow, I actually predicted this right. This is kind of cool. Uh, even though it's off on the score by just a couple of points, but just that feeling of like, everyone's talking about, look at what the Bengals did. Look at the Bengals did to get there. I mean, they, they win their first ever uh, playoff uh, home playoff game in 31 years. And they beat the Raiders. They go to the one seed, give up nine sacks. They still win against Tennessee. They, they are in Kansas city down 21 to three and they battle back. To beat KC, they're a team of destiny, team of destiny. The Rams, and I and I said this on the show, I was like, the Rams had to go against their division opponent, the Cardinals, who, who beat them in the regular season and take them down. They had to then go to um, the defending Super Bowl champions and Tom Brady in Tampa, where they unraveled in the second half and had a miraculous comeback of their own with a late drive in a, in a weight off their shoulder, huge moment for Matt Stafford to then have to go through their arch rivals in a team that owns them. Yep. And uh, 100%. Owns their head coach, uh, to win that, like they were, these, you know, the Rams were just as battle tested. And what happened? I said, all this cancels out. And then the, the best players make the big plays at the big time time at the big time moments. And Aaron Donald, Cooper cup, Matt Stafford all did that in the fourth quarter. Uh, they made uh, Sean Robinson, the defensive tackle as well. They just made big time plays in those big pressure moments when the Bengals turtled a little bit. I mean, they had that field goal early in the third after the interception, they didn't score again, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was a moment for them to strike. And this is where you say, okay, you've got that little bit of a cushion. Now is where you have to really put the dagger, drive it in. I mean, at the point when it was 20 to 16 and the Bengals uh, ended up getting the ball back, I want to say was what right at the end of the third quarter, if not the turn into the fourth. Yeah. Um, that was the drive where they had a chance to really drive it home. And I mean, you, you need a touchdown there and all of a sudden you're nine points up possibly 10 and really give yourself that, that freedom because these teams were not driving very quickly outside of that very long touchdown pass to T Higgins to start the second half, which obviously should have been called back due to the face mask, but I digress outside of that. These teams were not being given the big play. Neither one was because they knew that that's kind of what both teams had relied on offensively for much of the season, especially in the playoffs. So they needed to sustain long drives. If you're the Bengals and you go up 10 points at the start of the fourth quarter, you're feeling pretty good about your chances of holding down the Rams from getting two scores just because of the amount of time that it would require to take off of the clock at that point. But Nonetheless, you know, both teams kind of exchange punts and then the Rams come up with that, you know, signature Matt Stafford fourth quarter comeback drive where he has that incredible no look pass on third down. Hell, I mean, that's, you know, pro football talk. And, uh, you know, I have my issues with um, with their reporting a lot of times, and I agree with them other times as well. But uh, Mike Florio, I believe, runs their Twitter, and he tweeted out, you know, there's nothing that the Rams are doing today that Jared Goff couldn't have done. And I was thinking, that pass right there is 100% yes. what you brought Matt Stafford in for. Not only did he make the no-look pass to get Von Bell to inch towards the sideline and open up that window, but he zipped it in there with the force that only Matt Stafford can. I mean, he has a rocket arm. And so the combination of those skills – and the leadership that he provides um, that, that was, I'm glad I'm happy for Matt Stafford, not just that he won, but that he was a big reason why they won and, yeah. and, and making, you know, those pivotal uh, plays in those key times. I just thought that was a huge effort by him, but I, I mean, people are saying he should have been the MVP. I still think Cooper cup deserved it. And, and you could make the, you could make the case for Aaron Donald. It definitely as well, just because of the second half performance that he put on too. But, um, I was kind of happy with how they, how everything kind of played out there at the end. You know, Dan, I, I'll say, obviously one of the things everyone wants to talk about is the T Higgins offensive pass interference, no call. And then the, um, uh, the, the holding on Cooper cup, I believe it was Wilson 
in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Luke Wilson, that, I think it was. third and eight, yeah. uh, third and goal. And, you know, here's my thing is I know that there is moments in a game where, especially in the biggest games in the NFL, where you just have to say to yourself, the refs need to stay out of it. And I thought they did a good job of that. And, and then once that offensive pass interference, no call. With T. Higgins, should not have had that 75-yard touchdown. He blatantly grabbed his face mask. Jalen Ramsey's pulled his arm. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey was kind of already falling. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey would have made an interception. He, I don't know if he would have made the play. But you, you did something very illegal, grabbing the face mask, blatantly turning his head, and it turned into a 75-yard touchdown. When you're down at that point in time, remember the Bengals were down 13 to 10 and a half. One play, first play of the third quarter, 75-yard touchdown on that play. All of a sudden, the Bengals go up 17-13. That was such a game-changing momentum play, Definitely. and it should not have counted because of the offensive pass interference, but it, it stood. The rest swallowed the whistles. I kept saying the rest of that game, I was watching it uh, midway through the third, early in the fourth, I kept saying, there's going to be a makeup call. It's just going to happen. The refs owe it to the, they owe it to themselves. They owe it to the Rams. The problem was, I think they had opportunities. There were some calls and no calls. I thought, well, like, oh, wait a minute, you should have called it there. And they did it on one that was so ticky tacky. Yeah. In yeah. such a blatant moment where I could say, all right, you know, you've been letting a lot of things go this game. You're calling that defensive holding. I'm glad they called it holding and not interference, obviously. Um, but I think those things wash out. You know, the Rams scored their touchdown then on that drive um, it, it late in the fourth. And uh, that's those two equaled out then. You say, okay, you got a touchdown that was given to you on a, on a, on a no, on a, on a bad call. The Rams got a touchdown given them on a bad call. I call that a wash. You look at the rest of the second half. I'm sorry, Bengals fans and Joe Burrow. I was a little disappointed in them overall, but their offensive line just gave up what, seven, eight sacks by the end of it? It was a, a yeah. Super Bowl record. It was bad. I mean, listen to this. They had the field goal after the interception where I tweeted out, I know this sounds crazy, but the Rams holding the Bengals to only 10 points after that horrible no call and then the interception deep in their own territory uh, to start the third quarter, you know, only two minutes into the third quarter, not even, and they held the Bengals to 10 points. That's a victory for the Rams. And after that moment, the Rams, then they go and they march down in a 10-play drive. They get their own field goal. And then it's Bengals punt, Bengals punt, Bengals punt, Bengals punt. They had four possessions, all of them. Three plays punt, three plays punt, five plays minus two yards punt, seven plays 24 yards punt. Then the Rams go on a long drive, 15 plays, 79 yards. They get the touchdown on that call. And uh, I'm sorry, but the Bengals... Uh, that's that that late third, uh, fourth quarter, beginning of fourth quarter game plan was just not good enough. They could not protect Joe Burrow long enough. And the Rams defense stepped up and they stifled the Bengals at that moment. So I don't feel bad for Bengals fans. I think the calls equaled each other out. The Rams overall in those moments, then in the fourth quarter, their big time players made more big time plays on offense and defense. Once the calls equaled each other out. Yeah, and the fourth quarter is uh, its the most important quarter of the game. I mean, that's when you have to step up and actually come through and make the big plays, and they just didn't do it. I mean, you know, to reiterate your point, they they couldn't have started better in the second half. Yeah. A touchdown, an interception, and then a field goal. I mean, you, you got a 10-point swing there, plus ripping away momentum even from their offense by getting that Huge turnover. momentum. I mean, you were in, you're in such a good position. And to go from there to four straight punts and then turnover on downs to end the game, that's five possess. You had five possessions there to work with to put the dagger in. I mean, it didn't even have to come after your, your uh, 10 point swing. It could have come in any of those five uh, possessions afterwards, which is a lot for a fourth quarter. Most, most teams don't even get five possessions in, in that quarter. Um, so the fact that they had those opportunities and couldn't, you know, that, you, you do have to uh, say that, you know, you missed opportunities there. And then you got to give credit to the Rams who were able to force those situations and um, actually come through in, in the big moments. And, you know, like there are obviously other questionable elements to it 
from the Bengals side of things like, you know, why is Joe Mixon not in the game and some of those critical downs, uh, especially late on that third and one when they hand it off to Samaj P. Ryan. I mean, that's the guy yeah. that you want to get that one yard instead of your 230 pound running back who's a Pro Bowl that was player the, uh, and rusher, having second leading rusher, you know, I think, in the league this year. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 that's, uh, that's a part where maybe you're thinking that they're out coaching themselves or outsmarting themselves to an extent. And, and that was kind of reminiscent to me of what Sean McDay, McVay did in the first Super Bowl uh, that he had. And so it's maybe this is Zach Taylor's wake up call. And if he comes back again, then he'll have a game more like Sean McVay did have this time around. Uh, and McVay know, had a possible. bad game. I mean, I think overall. He did. McVay, he he I mean, did, really. Running... Until the, the fourth quarter, I'd say, is uh, is when they they really came through and, and made some key yeah. calls and things like that. They but, stopped. Yeah. They, they And I get it. They The game was always close, so I was not too critical of the, of the run calls. But it was so obvious the Rams just could not run the football. Whatever they were doing and, and, and everything, the Bengals had it sniffed out. Hubbard was great. And they, they're um, – their defensive line for the Bengals, they they sniffed out everything that the the Rams were trying to do with the run game. And yeah, they played great. They they did. And and finally McVay and then they started throwing the football more and especially midway you're early in the fourth and, and through the fourth quarter. That's where they got those 10 points, those crucial 10 points in the fourth quarter to actually get them uh the win. Is when they realized, listen, we just got to put it on Stafford, and even though we're missing OBJ uh and our and our starting tight end. And and they were missing uh, what's his name from earlier in the year as well, um, uh, uh, Woods. Like I mean, this is yeah, a yeah. Team, this was a team that by the end of it, those last couple of drives, uh, they were hit hard. They were hit hard, and and Stafford, you know, we'll get into the legacy talk here in a little bit, but I I, I will always forever remember Stafford in the fourth quarter being really poised. I mean, he had his Matt Stafford moments. That deep ball, go long throw, interception in the end zone. That is classic Matt Stafford. Yep. That is him uh, trusting his arm too much and, and not thinking through things enough because he has that mentality of, I have to be a playmaker for my franchise where he doesn't, he did a really good job this year overall as his first year in the Rams toning some of that down, which like no, you don't have to be the playmaker when you're surrounded by better players and a better franchise, but uh, he still had some of those gunslinger bad moments. I will say this though. I agree. I think the Bengals really missed their opportunity. They had all the momentum in the world and then they had four straight punts and you just can't do that. I, you, even if, even if you just get some of those drives to pick up a couple first downs, the two back-to-back three and outs, you give up all that momentum there. You have no momentum left after that. You know, you could argue after the one three and out, Hey, you still have the lead. They only, you held them to a field goal. But by that second three and out that whole, all that momentum you had off the, off of the no, no call OPI and the, and the interception field goal, it died. And, uh, and, and, and that's going to haunt the Bengals, I think for a long time. Um, you know, as we talk about the future of these teams, I think the Bengals future is extremely bright. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I, I do think they have to wake up and look themselves in the mirror a little bit this morning and be like, listen, we had our chance. You can't blame the refs. Don't be mad at the refs. You're a Bengals fan. It, overall, everything equaled out in my opinion, overall, I think the game got a little over officiated at the end. Um, I think they could have made the makeup call a little bit earlier. Uh, they could have found a way to, you know, to even that score a little bit, but the score was evened. Uh, they each got a touchdown off of a bad call call or no call. And, uh, and overall, then the Rams scored more points beyond that. And, and in the moments, the key moments defensively, they were just better. This Bengals defense the next step for them, we know the Bengals offense, you just need an offensive line. The, the next step for the Bengals defense is finding one more guy who's close to being just a game wrecker in the middle or on the edge. A, a guy who you, you just have to focus two blockers on at all times. That Bengals defense uh, could really take a next step there. I think overall, Dan, the other thing I want to say about the game too is I thought the pacing of the game was great. I thought both coaches weren't overwhelmed. I thought they they... Uh, didn't overreact at times. I thought the I thought the the Cooper Cup pass was a bad play, and I thought the only reason they pulled that out was because of the Joe Mixon touchdown pass, which I thought was a ballsy but incredible play call. And you got to give Zach Taylor credit for that. Love that play call. 
And Joe yeah. Mixon, what a, a hell of a throw. I thought the only thing that I would say is like, oh, okay, that's a bad call, was the Cooper Cup pass. If Cooper Cup would have ran it, he would have had it. They had him fooled yeah. on just the end around anyway. Well, and, uh, they they had it. They had the play. He yeah. was he was open. It was just he sailed. He just sailed, sailed that ball ten yards over his head. Yeah. Um. They. I mean, they they had the play. By the way, we were talking last week on the show about the prop bets and the various and things. That hit. The two and a half uh, players uh, attempting a pass. Five players attempted a pass in this game. I we know. had Joe Mixon. Uh, and then I, I think I said Johnny Hecker was going to, but I don't know if they credited him on the box score with an attempted pass, but they had that botched, um, that botched play in the first half. Yeah. And, I don't know if they he tried to throw it. I don't know if they counted that. Um, but, but you Cooper had Cup four. And you know, Joe you had four. Yeah. You had at least yeah. four. It was, so I was, was laughing. That, that was a, that was one that definitely hit um, the Bengals plus four, obviously good teams win great teams cover, but um yeah, I think overall, I thought it was a really great game. And and I thought, you know, I was sitting there in the end with Joe Burrow with the ball in his hands. I was ready for the magic. And I don't blame Joe for for them at the end losing that game. The second half of that Bengals team game, the second half was lost for the Bengals from their offensive line. And I think some overall fairly conservative play calling once they got up. And I think they got a little outside themselves. I think they thought, holy shit, we have the lead in the Super Bowl here. We just scored 10 points in two minutes. And I think they played a little defensively and I think off their offensive line just uh, unraveled. And I think the Rams defense looked at it after the OBJ injury and said, we're, we got to win this thing. And they did. I think the Rams defense went out and, and, and won the game really for the, for the Rams uh, in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. On surprising fashion, I think that their defensive line versus the Bengals offensive line was the big topic for the past couple of weeks going into this matchup. Now, I think the Bengals defensive line surprised us a little more than we thought uh, in terms of how they were able to stymie that run attack. Yeah. Um, but both, both teams did start how I envisioned them starting with trying to feel each other out, trying to dominate the line of scrimmage. Neither could do that very well. The Bengals had to resort to that short passing game because that's really all they could do because they didn't have enough time. Joe Burrow didn't have enough time throughout. I would say about that last play though, he almost completed that like kind of crazy enough. That was really close. Uh, you know, and, and you people are the- faulting P Ryan for not diving for it, but I, yeah, it's a split second moment. I don't, I don't know if you're you not know, expecting you know, the quarterback really to throw was. at that, at that moment in those, in that way, I will say though, that I've seen angles. Jamar chase had beaten Ramsey. He on did. That play. Yeah. And, Ramsey was on the ground. Was he not? Yes, yeah, I think, and I think that's where Joe wanted to go. I mean, that was probably, how is Jamar Chase not your first look? Yeah. Um, but they just didn't have the time. They just didn't have the time. And and um, yeah. I, so I thought overall, I thought it was a great Super Bowl. I thought it went pretty as much as we uh, as we both kind of predicted. I think it was a little closer than you thought. It was right up where I thought it would be, yes. kind of back and forth, feeling each other out. There'd be big plays. And in the end, like I said, the biggest player is going to make the big plays at the right time. And the Rams did that. They stepped up. This Bengals team, man, they're a little bit of an anomaly. I'm, I'm fat. I'm so, it so sucks that football's over because this Bengals seems one of those teams where they just want to keep going. They're young. They're hungry. I I think them having this Rams team is older. Whitworth should retire. I think he, he should. And he, what a hall of fame career for Andrew Whitworth now, especially with the Walter Payton man of the year, well-deserved and, uh, and now getting a Super Bowl ring. Um, and, uh, Donald is, is a, is a veteran, you know, the Von Miller is a veteran. He's gonna be a free agent. Odell Beckham, obviously free agent, the injury, the whole talk about Sean McVay retiring and all that. I I think that's a, I think it's a bargaining chip for him as well. I think his, him and his, his agent knew before, listen, they knew there's a possibility they could lose the Super Bowl. They want to start, they want to stir up all that good press, that goodwill of, the last thing you need to do is lose Sean McVay. You need to lock him up to a giant deal. Um, I think he'll Absolutely. definitely, he'll have the bank thrown at him this off season. Um, and I think it's very valid. I mean, Sean McVay in two years, he's taken this Rams team to the Super Bowl two out of his five years. And they've been competitive in every other year. And now I know they're in a little bit of a cap situation, a cap hell, but what are the Rams proven that they just kind of don't care. And, yeah. especially after and Super that's Bowl the win, method. 
especially for Super Bowl win, I, I have a feeling they're going to commit to going back into the all-in approach, kind of like Tampa did last year, and uh, and to see how it works. It's a it's a going to be a fascinating way to kind of start the offseason here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, as long as you have a quarterback of some sort, or it could be included in the acquisition, you can go all in every year. And I think that's what they're trying to show is that, you know, teams have this um, perhaps a myth of the rebuild that, that it's required that you have to suck to get good. Yes. And you don't have to a lot of times, a lot of times it's about what you're willing to pay for. And can you, can you go out and find the right guys to pay for, to put into that room? I mean, we talk about like OBJ was a, Phenomenal acquisition, especially because of what we saw happen to Robert Woods literally just days after the acquisition of OBJ. We Von Miller, that addition, huge to that team. Uh, yeah. So it's not just about throwing money at free agents. It's about throwing money at the right free agents. Jalen Ramsey's been, you know, a huge part of that defense. I mean, we they don't have any, you know, standout middle linebackers or like incredible um you know, defensive ends outside yeah, of Miller, it's, it's all about just the retirement. Guy. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like they exactly they, they did show that you could piece it together, but it's risky because as the Bucks tried to do in this year with older players and veterans and and a lot of star power, it leads to knickknack injuries and uh, and that can derail completely derail your your season. Listen, I I'm to put a little bit of a button on it and then get into some other things. I want to talk Matt Stafford here. Uh, but also the, the Burrow and the Bengals. I um, um, I'll just say this. I thought it was I thought it was a really good game. I thought it was an entertaining watch. I think Allen uh, and uh, and uh, Chris and Michelle. It's you know good for Michelle. Get, she gets retired. I thought NBC did a great job. I didn't love the new score bug. I thought overall the pace of the game was really good. I mean, I saw a tweet that was like the game started at at official kickoff was like six forty Eastern time. The game ended at ten Eastern time. I mean. It was a good paced moving Super Bowl, even though the halftime show felt really long to set up and really long to 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 do and get through. Not that it wasn't entertaining. I loved it, but it felt like it felt the weight of the halftime show. Uh, I thought it yeah. was an overall just a really good game. And again, anytime you get a Super Bowl that's not, you know, listen, you want it to be a one score game. You don't want it to be like that Rams Patriots, where it's what, 10 3, like the whole game, and then ends up being 13 to 3 or whatever. Um, you, you, anytime you get some scoring big plays and it's a one score game, that's a good game in Super Bowl history, in my opinion. And uh, I will say this though, it did seem as though to me, there was a moment watching where I felt like this doesn't have the weight that I feel like it should. And maybe that's because it wasn't Tom. Maybe that's because it wasn't Mahomes. Maybe that's because it wasn't, um, Aaron Rodgers. Now, these teams now have a chance to then, if the Bengals play in a Super Bowl again or the Rams play in a Super Bowl again within the next year or two, it'll feel like it has that weight because it starts to build on that. You know, with Mahomes playing another Super Bowl, it's like, oh, crap, he's going for two. Like, that's next level. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, or Brady going for seven. Like, there's, it didn't feel like it had that special just kind of weight to it. And maybe that's also because as as, as a football fan at this point in time, I just, I honestly, and I kept saying it, I felt like an idiot, but it's true. I was like 50-50, whoever wins, I'll be really happy for them. You're disappointed for the losers because there's good guys, that, but like I got no evil, there's no bad guy in the fight here. I have no animosity towards the Bengals. I kind of have a kindred spirit, I feel like, with the Bears, the Bengals, franchises that just struggle and a lot of mediocrity, bad ownership. For them to get their shot, you kind of feel for them, like, hey, go, get one for the little guys. Um and for the Rams, obviously the Matt Stafford was the whole story for me, and uh, and being and having watched so much of his career, uh, couldn't be more happy. And Dan, I, I you know, if you have any final thoughts on it, go for it. But I would transition and pose the question to you. You know, let's talk a little bit of Matt Stafford and what this does for him, and and what the you know the future looks like. Because I got some crazy shit brewing in my head about, about Matt Stafford and now where he belongs in the conversation for quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a tough one. Um, I, I still struggle with that. I I don't know if I consider him. I I, I consider him a hall of, a fringe hall of famer at the moment, and I still. 
feel that way. Like I would put him in over Philip Rivers, to be honest. Well, because now, uh, yeah, because now he has the Super Bowl. 100%. Now he's gotten there, and um, he he had all of those years with just such a, uh, a underperforming, underachieving franchise that's just known to be that. Whereas you know Philip had LT and he had Vincent Jackson and he had a lot of the you know uh, uh, Antonio Gates like he he had a, a pretty solid supporting cast. They just couldn't get over the hump. Whereas Stafford outside of Calvin Johnson, I mean, he, he never had a, a top 10 defense. Yeah. Never had a great O line. Uh, he just had one guy. Um, so I give him the benefit of the doubt in that regard. And now that he's proven, okay, once he got to stability, the first, you know, whiff of it, he gets a super bowl. So I think that puts him ahead of it, but I still, I still think there's maybe just a little bit more work to be done. And I think that work, will be done over the next three, four seasons. So, I just think he's a couple seasons away from putting himself in that category. And all that is required, I think, is just more more regular season wins and a couple more playoff uh, wins to help solidify that for him. So I that's great. I, I mean, I don't disagree with a ton there. I think Matt Stafford is now definitely a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, um, getting the ring. Because he he's going to have the numbers that Rivers had. Yeah. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Now he's got the ring. Like that's, that's the separator. Like the, oh, what did we say when rivers retired rivers is at least your base. You have to have at least these numbers to be in a conversation. And then what do the rings do for you as far as legacy on there uh, on up? I think um, I meant what I mean though, is like legitimately against his own peers because you see it now, like look at now that Brady, especially is gone and all the rest of the old guys are gone. Breeze is gone. Roethlisberger is gone. The Mannings are gone. Rivers is gone. Brady's gone. Uh, these generational quarterbacks are gone. And these multiple Super Bowl winners are gone. Ma- Mannings each had two. Brady had seven. Um, you know, uh, uh, obviously Breeze is one, but doing in New Orleans, iconic, you know, uh, uh, Big Ben had two. You start to look around the league. Who are the guys with rings? Stafford's yeah. got one now. Rodgers has one. Uh, and and uh, Mahomes has one, and then Russell Wilson has one. And I say to I say to myself, Dan, I'm like, is it crazy to say that right now, as much as I love Russell Wilson and has been on the you know, Russell Wilson bandwagon guy, he had such a weird and bad year, um, and and just who he is as a player, like Matt Stafford. Now, how can you not start to argue that Matt Stafford deserves to be higher ranked? than some of his own competitors and his peers. I mean, what you we know the toughness that Matt Stafford plays with, the broken back, the dislocated shoulder as a rookie, all those bad years in Detroit where he was fighting tooth and nail to, uh, to, to, to win games. You say to yourself, if Matt Stafford, I hate to be Skip Bayless, but I think that it's worth even thinking about, like Matt Stafford versus Aaron Rodgers, if their careers were there on the opposite teams. Like, what does that look like? And, yeah, I uh, mean, it, it could be different. It, it, it definitely could be different, but it's just, you know, that's sometimes how, how things shake out in the NFL, right? Yeah. I mean, I wonder what Archie Manning would have looked like if he was on like the New now. York Giants at the time or something, you know? like you know, I mean, he was, a, he was a great quarterback that was just that never won more than, what, five, six games in a season. And it's unfortunate, but that's just kind of life. I mean, I still I – don't, I don't think we could argue in terms of talent – there you can that's where the eye test comes in into into play like Russell Wilson is clearly a better overall quarterback than Matt Stafford in my opinion uh like and and maybe that maybe in the next three years say Matt Stafford wins two more rings and is a big the biggest reason or one of the biggest reasons for that then maybe you start to reconsider um that element of the game where it's like, okay, yeah, Russell Wilson's a little bit more talented, but Stafford has three Super Bowls and, you know, dealt with all of those years of absolute chaos. Uh, then I, then I, then I'd have pause, but if I'm looking at it right now, I mean, like, and I get what you're saying, but it's like, you know, the, in terms of the talent, it's, it's so heavily weighted uh, in his contemporaries favor at the moment, um, yeah. well, but that could that- change. And I think and that's a large so, part of that narrative is because you've just, it's been built, it's been ingrained. I mean, Russell Wilson won early and he kept winning until really this year. I mean, this is his first bad year. Stafford was bad and then had a couple of nice seasons with Caldwell and then it was bad again. And now he's got a ring. It's a weird, 
It's, it's Stafford's yeah. career is so unique in that way. But I do think it's interesting, and I, I put together, and it's something we need to do this offseason because that's where, where this discussion will be. You know, we can really hash it out. It makes me feel, though, it makes me feel pretty strong in the saying that if you're trying to say, hey, you, have a, you can pick any quarterback for your team for the next two years, where does Stafford rank versus Rodgers, Wilson? Not three, not five, not ten but just any quarterback in the NFL for the next two years, I'd still probably take Mahomes one, maybe Josh Allen two, but like, I think, I think Stafford starts to move up that ladder a lot quicker. Cause you realize, Hey, as long as your organization has some sort of level of support and around Matt Stafford and is competent, the dude is the dude is a winner. Like he's got way more fourth quarter comebacks. He's got more playoff fourth quarter comebacks now than Aaron Rodgers, even though Aaron's been in the playoffs a lot more. He's got the same amount of Super Bowl wins, the same amount of NFC Championship wins as Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's that whole same thing as Tom Brady did. Like, so you just start to you start to put these arguments. Like, if winning matters, and I think it does, especially the quarterback position for guiding your team and leading. It's not everything because, as we said, there's people stuck in bad or bad organizations. It starts to make it to me a lot more interesting of where Stafford maybe ranks all time when they're all careers are said and done. And again. We don't know how they're all going to be written versus Rodgers versus versus his contemporaries. Cause he really is a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers contemporary. And that's, they're now the old guys in the league, him, Matt Ryan, yeah. Matt Ryan, who else? Like who's else still left standing from that generation? I, yeah. In terms of that's it in terms of current NFL quarterbacks, yeah, pretty I much. Mean, anyone I mean, pre like 2015. So like, you know, you, I mean, like, Jimmy G, I guess, but he's not, He's not on par. He's obviously. that draft class, isn't he? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's Wilson, it's Ryan, it's Rogers, it's Stafford. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to be so pissed if we're missing one. I, I don't I don't know if we. I mean, Tannehill. Uh, Tannehill, you know, because he's been around that, for a little while um, in that group. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really it. I mean, Joe, Joe Flacco's gone. I mean, and and they were kind of that those group of guys right after the legends who just retired. And they're not certainly, you know, that next group of the Mahomes and younger. Derek Carr. Okay, you could maybe put Derek Carr. He's kind of stuck in there. He was like 2013 draft class, I think. Yeah, he's he's a little more, he's more of a veteran now than he is a young guy in that way. Um, But I think it's huge. I think it's huge for Matt Stafford. I I really do. I think, um, um, and I'm I'm certainly, certainly pumped for him. And uh, as far as Joe Burrow goes in the Bengals, I mean, what are your thoughts in, uh, on the Bengals, their future, and, and you know, and, and, and this is a legacy thing for Burrow? Yeah, I, I the one thing I was, um, I, I guess I'm not surprised by it, but the one thing I always like want to push back against a lot of times, and I get the, I get the need or the want to um, bring this up when someone loses, especially for teams and and people that are relatively likable and you know guys you root for like a Joe Burrow is, you know, don't worry, they'll be back here. Like, let's pause for a second. Yeah. It's incredibly hard to get back there. So, like, I just want, I don't know. Like, I that's the instant thing people go to is like, oh, they'll be back. Like, will they? We don't know that. We don't know that. Because Joe Burrow, it's clear that he is a franchise quarterback. He's a guy that can, you know, win games, win playoff games, lead, all of those things. He's got it all. That doesn't mean that he's getting back. I mean, we we've seen it time and time again. And it's just, it seems like people have very like, um, I guess a revisionist history when it comes to looking at things like that. Cause you, we've talked about it here on the show, tell that to Aaron Rodgers. tell that to Ben Roethlisberger, the last 11 years of their careers, tell you, would have, to, you would have guaranteed that they would get back at some point. Yeah, tell that they to did it. Reese. Tell that to uh, tell that to Dan Marino. Maybe Dan Marino is the epitome of that. Yeah. And if Peyton Manning doesn't go to the Broncos, Maybe he doesn't get to another Super Bowl with the Colts as as legendary yeah. as he was a top two, three quarterback to ever play the game. He only got to one, one uh, well, Colts, got to two with the Colts, right? And one and one with the Broncos. Yeah, he yeah. made four. He made four. So, I mean, yeah. uh, but again, Peyton Manning, to me, the second greatest quarterback of all time, he made four. I mean, like that, it, you're absolutely right. That's how hard it is. I will say, I do think, I do think the reason why it's a little bit easier to say, not that they'll get back, but I think it's easier to say this Bengals team is legit and this Bengals team has a bright, bright future 
and should be considered right now with Buffalo and Kansas City, I think all fairly equally the favorites in the AFC is because their problems are so identifiable and they have a ton of cap space. They do not have a bunch of aging veterans. They're not built already in a bunch of star power. It's a young core with a young head coach in a division with um, real questions now in the old man and, and, this, and, the, and the, the leader of the division with Pittsburgh. Your, your other upstart, low-level uh, you know, low competition, the Browns, they had a massively disappointing year, but they got a lot of talent. And the and and the and the Ravens injuries completely derailed them, uh, but even then they're not the same team. Wink Martindale's gone. What are they going to look like? So their division is winnable, and they have to really just identify the simple thing. Their draft. I saw a great tweet. I think it was from Jeff Schwartz, one of the Schwartz brothers, and it was like doing the mock drafts. If you're a Bengals like writer in Cincinnati, is the easiest thing. Yeah, all best, offensive linemen. <laughs> best offensive linemen available for the first five picks. Just that's all you have to do. And then can you convince one of the game-changing pass rushers or uh, who's hitting free agency or a go-make-a-trade for a game-changing pass rusher uh, to come and, and really help anchor that defensive line along with Hubbard? Like, you know, team up uh, with, with – uh, is it Hubbard or why am I um, – uh, um, well, Sam Hubbard, but Trey yeah. uh, Trey Hendrickson, um, yeah, and and just really obviously on the outside there, someone so. or or a, a you know a real incredible playmaking linebacker, someone who can get yep. after the quarterback and be a you know a, a real like the holy crap, the guy you have to account for on that defense because they have a lot of good pieces, but none of them are like oh that's a pro, that there's an all pro, there's an all pro, there's an all pro. So if you add sure. an all pro to that defense, and then you 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 work tirelessly to fix the offensive line and the offensive line can be a mishmash of new young guys you draft and bring in a veteran bring in a couple of veterans like you don't have to doesn't have to be all rookies you know what i mean do what the chiefs did they fixed their offensive line in one off season so i do think the Bengals future is very bright but you're absolutely right it is. it's hard to say to get back because even after this run from joe burrow as far as the young quarterbacks go i would still put him third behind Mahomes and Allen of the guys I would take for the next three years. You know what I mean? If you're just doing a smaller window. Yeah. And I mean, Herbert's certainly in that discussion still. I think he is. Um, I would, I would give Burrow the nod over Herbert because of this run, I think is one of those things where it's like, well, shit, that's, that's pretty damn special. And you proved a lot in this moment. And, you know, Herbert's got a really solid offensive line and those weapons. Now he's got a tougher division, I think, overall, the AFC West with Mahomes in it and having to know that you're basically going to be stuck as a wild card spot every year. But I think, you know, I think there's some intangible leadership quality to Joe Burrow that to me, Definitely. especially Definitely. after seeing it in this playoff run, gives me the nod over Herbert. He's right there. Herbert's yeah. right there, but uh yeah, I mean it's tough. It's gonna be it's gonna be really tough for the Bengals, but their issues aren't tough to fix. Well, they're yeah, not that's a fair to, point. They're it's, tough it's, to fix, but they're not hard to identify. Yeah, yeah, and and they're you can they're fixable by just a couple actions versus yeah. like needing needing something to happen that you're unsure of. You know, like yeah. hey, we need our quarterback to end up taking the next step. Well, that already happened. So you, yeah. you know, you know what you have in a lot of those areas. Um, I agree with that. And I think uh, Burrow would be willing to sign one of those long, big deals, like a Mahomes deal, where it's a lot of money, but if you spend it over 10 years, you can constantly manipulate the cap yeah. and he can. And, and I think he's willing to do that because he knows since he's not a free agent destination. Uh, but I think he also knows that, he can start building his his brand of being an endorsable person now after this is just going to be it's going to be through the roof. Joe Burrow is going to be Baker Mayfield's commercials times 10 if he if he wants it. Like that money's available for a guy like Burrow. He's got the personality uh for it. Uh and I think it's it's worth mentioning the Rams are about to lose their offensive coordinator. He's gonna take that Vikings job. Yeah. No one's yeah. poaching the Bengals coordinators right now, to my knowledge. You know what I mean? True, true. I mean, in terms of the um, 
commercial aspect of the thing. I mean, Cigar Aficionado magazine has its, <laughs> you know, cover person for the next yeah. 10 years, honestly, if they want it. He's got um, it. with him. But you know, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the halftime show because yes. um I, I you know, for the most part, outside of the, you know, the crazy predictable um angry people on their front porch yelling, you know, this isn't real music. Everyone pretty much liked it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the better halftime shows I've seen. I still think, you know, Prince, um, Bruno Mars in, in recent memory are like definitely up there. But I thought the set was incredible. I thought it was awesome how they did that with the the four sectioned yeah. off. Um, On the map of places Compton. underneath. Yep. Yep. It was uh, the choreography was awesome. Uh, I thought, you know, Snoop is just uh, so cool all the yeah. time. His outfit was amazing. Just the, the whole thing cool. about it was cool. I, you know, the 50 cent hanging down thing, I thought was kind of weird, but like whatever. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, you know, all, overall, I thought it was pretty sweet. I thought that was job well done. Yeah, I thought the 50 cent uh, appearance was great. I thought, you know, hiding, I, you knew there was going to be someone who they were, they didn't show. Yeah. I yeah. thought 50 was a great choice for that. I'll say this. I have two. I have, well, I've, I think I have three main points I'll go over for the halftime show. Number one, I really liked it because when you watch a, for example, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Jennifer Lopez for a halftime show, right? When you watch someone like them, you immediately are going to spend a lot of time focusing on the outfits. You're going to spend a lot of time focusing on the choreography and the wow factor. Because the they're colors, pop stars. the pyrotechnics. Yeah, they're whatever. pop stars. Like the pop, and you know, you expect that with a pop star. Like, I need the dancing. I need the, the giant choreography. I need Katy Perry to come riding in on a tiger and Lady Gaga to jump off the stadium because they're pop stars. Like, that's what they do. So, what I love about rap and RB, and that's what is so great about it, is they just let the music speak for itself. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar did a little thing, and I thought that was kind of cool with the boxes and the little slight yeah, choreography. Awesome. But, yeah. Overall, it's just nope. Give me a microphone and let me get on the stage. And it Dre was raw. starts that, and then uh, Eminem obviously is one of the epitomes of that. Um, so I love that because it immediately takes out the whole like, well, I didn't really like the outfits, or I didn't like the, you know what I mean? Like, why did she yeah. jump off the roof? I, I hate that stuff when you're dissecting a, a halftime show uh, and all that. So I love that about it. The other thing, the second point that I really will say. Um, uh, I absolutely despised, and I tweeted this out, the fact that it was still light out when the show started. The, <laughs> the kickoff in L.A. was 3.40 local time. So by the show, time the show started, the stadium, which is, even though it's got a roof on it, it's all windows and open air, so you still have all this sunlight. And there's something about, if you go back and look at, like, great halftime shows, it's dark, and the lights then, the effect of the lights and, like, only seeing the performers and not seeing... What you see of the crowd is just kind of bodies, but like then lights and strobes and they do things. I didn't feel um, immersed. Yeah. I didn't feel visually like, whoa, because it was still light out, not because of what they planned, but because it's like, as they zoom in on Dre and Snoop, as they're standing on those little like house things, it's like, oh, I can see all the faces of the people uh, like sitting, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's just something about it being dark. Like when JT did it a couple of years ago, when he got to redeem himself and it was completely pitch black in the stadium and he's like in the audience and he's popping up in random places. And like, that was just, you misses that effect when it's not totally pitch black. That's just the, the, uh, the, the one, the one thing I'd say about it visually. And then finally, I will be slightly critical. I love, I love, love, love me. Some Mary J. Blige. She's fantastic. Right? <laughs> yeah. I thought she was the only one that sold out a little bit. The Mary J I know from TRL being uh, a kid in the late nineties, early two thousands and watching Carson Daly on total crest live and watching all the music videos would not be out there like tits out. Here's my booty and doing drop like grinding moves. I thought she played in a little bit too much of the whole, like, this is what, you know, you have to do to be, a, a, you know, like well, this is what Megan the Stallion would do, or this is what Cardi B would do. This is what Nicki Minaj would do. This is, you know, insert name of. Like, yeah. You just felt like she got away from her identity. I felt she got away. She's got an incredible voice. Mary, go out there and belt it and, and yeah. like and do what you do your thing. So I thought she got away from herself a little bit. She was still great, 
if I was going to be critical, and again, it's barely a critique and it's a silly one because I thought it was a great halftime show. That, that would be my critique. It was a little too light out. I wish the stadium was dark. And Mary got a little away from herself. I love they saved Eminem for the end. Eminem, obviously, uh, you know, I listened to him more than Snoop or Trey and certainly Kendrick. And so uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was great, too. I maybe the lighting thing also played a factor where they wanted to show off SoFi as much as possible. And so want to show off all the... Yeah, it, it's a gorgeous stadium. But, yeah, I thought overall job well done. That's going to be a hard one to top next year uh, in, in Arizona. Arizona. We'll, so, we'll see kind of how that pans out. I think it's in New Orleans after that. No, uh, New, uh, Arizona, Vegas, New, New Orleans. Okay, that's what, yeah. There, Those are your next so we three. got the next three lined up for that. You know, so, yeah, so that'd be I, good. SoFi is going to be the opening and closing ceremonies of the 2028 Summer Olympics. And oh, is in, that right? Okay. Yeah. So I didn't realize that. that. Yeah, my I've always said for years, and once LA got the Olympics, I think four years ago they announced it, or it may have been longer now. My goal is to go to a US men's basketball team game. Like just watch them destroy, you know, Chile uh, in in America, like in an yeah. American Olympics, like just full on body paint, American flag. Uh, you know, just Team USA, be a super fan for the Olympics. Uh, so LA 2028, my goal is to be there for at least part of it. That'd be pretty cool. That would be very cool. Yeah. By the way, LeBron over the week obviously became the league's uh, all-time leading scorer, scorer in uh, regular point. and postseason. Now, is this, to my knowledge, this is not what they consider in the record books. Is that correct? So it's just no, regular season that they consider. They, well, so, yeah, so it'll be no work to do on that front then. Right. Yes. And it'll be noted that he, that he's the all time score. Like it's noted, but when you talk about official lists, it's like the NFL, they don't count up uh, all of correct. Tom Brady's records are regular season. Right, and right. I think it's one of those things where. Um, it did surprise it, me though. Cause Kareem was in so many playoffs. Yeah. That I, I assumed that. If LeBron beat him in that record, that it would also coincide with him beating him in the in the regular season. But I, yeah, I guess Kareem just did that much. Well, in the Kareem regular missed season, the playoffs too. a lot early in his career, though, too, with Milwaukee. They had some bad mm. series. Remember, Kareem was a guy that didn't, you know, they won that one championship. I think they won one in Milwaukee once with Kareem, but then he got his chance to finally get out, go to LA, and win multiple yeah. championships when they drafted Magic to build around him. But um. You know, LeBron's just been in the playoffs every year. I know it's and, yeah, he's, yeah. and he, I mean, you know, I mean, the guy made eight yeah. straight finals. So you're you're gonna you're gonna score a lot of points in your prime in the playoffs, eight straight finals. I um, yeah, I think it's a lot to me. I consider things like that in the NBA and the NFL almost very similar in the sense where, if you're trying to make a case for who's better, Eli versus you know, let's just now say Russell Wilson. That's one of those things you can argue. It's like, all right, well, let's look at what they did. Regular season is fine. Now look at their postseason numbers. Who was there more? Who did more damage in the bigger games? Who, like, that can add to a legacy type of thing. Um, yeah. And I think it's a similar thing with the NBA. I mean, listen, when LeBron retires, he's going to have every record. Yeah, he's, he's besides oh, yeah. the fact that he won't have gone six for six, he's, the, you know, he's the second greatest basketball player of all time. It's not close. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I, I I thought overall though, um, final point on on SoFi the game and everything. I will say, um, I thought to me it sounded very much like a Rams home field advantage. We haven't talked about that yet, but the amount of celebrities there and the amount of like you it it was louder to me when the Bengals were on offense than when the Rams were on offense by, by a, a considerable margin. I, I noticed that when watching and, and a lot of it's because a lot of the celebrities there to show up and they're like, all right, Rams are in town. I'll root for the Rams. Like they're not rooting for Cincinnati. Uh, you saw, you know, a, a lot of that. I, I thought, I thought it was, it was a Rams home home field advantage for sure. It was, it was. And I, you know, you never know how much that ends up playing into it, but it's got to be a factor to some degree, whether, you know, how big of a factor that is, I'm, I'm not sure, but back-to-back -back home wins after 54 years of that never happening. It's, crazy. it's pretty crazy that it, that it happened like that. So the Cardinals, they're next up now. We'll see if they can do it next year, but. Do you um, think they, uh, do you think they have a chance to, who do you, if, you, if I were to ask you now, and I know this is stupid, 
early favorites for next year, who would you, if you had to just throw teams out there, NFC, AFC, Super Bowl matchup in Arizona, what do you think? The, to me, the Rams are probably going to be the, the M- NFC favorite uh, going into the year. And I think they ought to be. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Aaron Donald. I, I know there was floating about his retirement. Yeah. I'm not sure he's got it. I think he wants eight years money. in the league. I mean, he's still got some, uh, you know, and there have been dominant players, Luke Keekley and, and yeah. Patrick Willis that have left uh, in their He's prime. looking for an extension. I think he's but, looking for an extension. They all know yeah. they're smart. Yeah, and, and to leave uh, after Super Bowl where, you know, you're going to get a lot of guys back next year and, and a good chance of making another run, that would be hard, I think, to walk away from. So, you know, if if he comes back, if they're able to to lock up, you know, OBJ, they're going to get Robert Woods back. Uh, you know, we'll see if OBJ's healthy to start the season, but he'll definitely return at some point, you'd have to think. Um, I think they're the early favorites going into the year in the yeah. NFC. And I, I don't know how close it is because you're going to have questions about Trey Lance and San Fran. Yeah. So you don't know what they're going to look Kyler like. Kyler Murray's <laughs> apparently a bad teammate and, uh, and is unfollowing his whole organization. And despite that team's incredible start to the year, I don't think past midseason it ever felt like they were a Super Bowl team. No. And, um, you know, Green Bay, Aaron comes back. That even if he does come back, it's unlikely Devontae's coming back with them. Uh, so there's a lot of question marks there, and he hasn't been able to get over the hump. So, yeah, I give them the nod. In terms of the AFC, uh, I still I, Kansas City is probably going to be the odds-on favor going into yeah. the year, and I don't see a reason to really doubt that. I still would put them, as you mentioned, in terms of just the quarterback tiers, I would put them in that category as well as being Kansas City uh, as the favorite with the Bills a close second. And then, you know, maybe the Bengals are right there at number three because they did yeah. get there and, and the team will probably only get better after this offseason. So yeah, that would be my a- early thoughts. Yeah, I think the AFC is pretty easy to find a pecking order. Take a pick a pick a name between the the Ravens, the Bengals, the the Bills, and the Chiefs. And you feel like those are your four teams in the AFC with um I think the Raiders are on the up and up, the Chargers are on the up and up. Uh, and I think the Titans, depending on health and what they do, are going to be there. But do I trust the Titans to have playoff success? I'm not going to include them in that group. Um, yeah. I agree. I, I think you. I think we're just at that point too in NFL history, like we were a decade ago with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. You just pick the. You just pick the Chiefs in the AFC. That's where you're at. I mean, I, I until proven otherwise, I, I still feel that way. And the NFC is the exact opposite. The NFC South is. I don't know. I, I, you have no Tom Brady. Yeah. The saints have a complete rebuild. The, the Panthers are a disaster. And, and then, and then you have uh and then you have an, an old Matt Ryan in Atlanta and, and who knows what they're doing. The East, you have the Cowboys and then the Eagles and then and, but the Eagles, we don't know if they're going to commit to Jalen hurts. And then the football team has no quarterback and the giants are rebuilding uh, the yeah. NFC and North, the bears, the lions, uh, you know, the Vikings are all about the same. They have questions all over the rosters. They have new head coaches, some new front offices. And then the Packers have the MVP, the two-time back-to-back MVP, the four-time MVP, but he's unhappy and we don't know where he's going to be. And then the West is, like you said, Kyler Murray, I, it, it's, I think it is the Rams, the fa- they should be the favorite. I, I, you know, I, I just don't know how they're not at this point in time. And a lot of that's just depending on what the next couple of weeks like look like with free agency. But uh, right now, I think it, your safest, easiest bet is is Rams and, and Chiefs, and that's probably not going to be what it is because that's how the NFL is. But it uh, it feels the it feels like the only thing that makes sense right now before we get into any of the offseason moves. Agreed, agreed, and it should be a pretty active offseason, even for a couple of these teams. Yeah, uh, because there are patchworks you know, needed. And we'll, we'll see what happens with the Von Millers, the OBJs and some of these other, you know, players um, hitting free agency. So that's going to be an exciting time. The new league year begins March 16th, which uh, is going to cue free agency, the beginning of that period. So there will obviously be plenty of, of chatter in the weeks leading up to that. As we mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, we're going to be taking a couple of weeks off on the show here at the football lounge. We'll be back at it the first week of March, yep. March 7th, be the first Monday there. And, uh, and that'll be the week before all of the free agency frenzy begins. So we'll have 
you know, a lot of those rumors to pour through and, and a lot of speculation, which is what we all enjoy as football fans to figure out who's going where uh, a lot of things maybe will become a little bit clearer at that point. The beginning of the 2022, 2023 season. It's crazy to say, but yeah, we'll start it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll start it officially for us in two weeks from now. Absolutely. So we're I looking forward say, to that. I will say it is weird. The Super Bowl being late this year was weird. And I, yeah, I don't it was know strange. I don't know if I'm going to like it when eventually the league will get to 18 games. And that means the Super Bowl will be next weekend, which will be President's Day, which will be good because it's eventually what we all want is the Monday off. But I will say, Dan, it was hard. This, this last week and a half leading up to the Super Bowl, I mean, maybe it's because the Winter Olympics, but there were so much other sports of the NBA, the Winter Olympics. I, I felt the NFL lost a little bit of the, the control of the sports narrative. Now, obviously, they know that they just have to deal with the, you know, Olympics every four years, and that's just one of those things. Um, and I thought NBC did a great job of, you know, building up the Olympics and the Super Bowl hype. But I, it just felt like it got a little lost to me. Did, you, did it feel that way for you? I felt like I wasn't as engaged with the Super Bowl week, the Super Bowl yeah. media week that maybe I have in the past. Um but this certainly isn't the first time. Uh, yeah. Last year, I was intrigued because of the whole Brady and the Bucks thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the year before that, <clears throat> I wasn't, I wasn't overly engaged with it. I don't know. There's just something about Super Bowl week that, to me, has become a little bit monotonous. It's the same thing, really. I mean, it's just player interviews, and we're just hearing them. And since you know, especially for us on the show, we're we're listening to post game press conferences and post-game interviews all season long. So really I was just hearing Joe Burrow for the 80th time yeah. this year. And so there wasn't anything um, above and beyond. I would, I'll like, I'll, I'll like watching like certain story angles about, you know, the, totally. the Bengals fan that, you know, got tickets or whatever. I think that's cool. Um, but in terms of the players and, and kind of the, the hype and speculation, yeah, it does kind of just wear off a little bit. And, and part of that's just because of the attention to detail that we have throughout the season yeah. um, for me. But, you know, nonetheless, I mean, it is, you know, they, they got to keep going with it and they got to hype it up and they got to do their thing. Uh, I'm sure covering it would be awesome. And uh, it's something LA. I would like to do sometime. Yeah, especially yeah. in L.A. A lot to do, a lot of restaurants to go to as well. But um so yeah, we'll be off a couple weeks, um, but certainly won't be without content as we return. So really looking forward to that episode on March 7th. Uh, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, at FB Lounge Pod, at Mark Hespin, at Dan Vasco. Um, but uh, we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus and we will return shortly. Uh, until then, have a, have a great uh, couple weeks off. Uh, hopefully you don't have too much of a NFL hangover when yeah. we return, but because uh, we're going to go right back into it. So we'll see you all here in March. Hey.